What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is New York rapper and producer Premrock. We spoke about falling in love with horror movies during quarantine, writing screenplays, whether or not flashbacks in movies are tacky, his love for West Coast hip hop, the importance of rap regionalism, his group The Wrecking Crew, his relationships with engineers Willie Green and rapper Curly Castro, and the creative process behind his latest album, Load Bearing Crow's Feet, out now via Backwood Studios. Come fuck with us. Hey, what's crackhead, everybody? Welcome back. I think this is number 18. Yeah, this is number 18. Real notes number 18. We're really chugging along here. It's kind of surreal to think about. Um, Dylan, Cinema Sci, two names. Those are two of my names. I've every every intro is different. I've kind of I've kind of accepted that at this point. <laughs> um, every 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 guest I have on here is super tight. We, we all we all know this at this point, but we got a very, very special individual with us in the building today. Um, this guy has been this guy's been this guy's been wrapping circles around people for a minute as you know by himself and as a part of quite a few collectives <laughs> at least at least two that i could think of so like yeah, um, yeah. we got prem rock we got prem rock in the house in, in the house place to be i'm stumbling over my words bro thank you so much for coming um, on really appreciate that's, that's an amazing intro really great intro thank you i'll take uh, all the relatives that you uh, just peeped on me i appreciate hey. it for real great pod um Excited to be on it. Let's go. Thank you so much. Like that, it's like, 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 like we were just saying this off camera for a second. Like, it's like this is only number eighteen, and it's crazy to hear people. Like, like I'm still not used to people telling me like, "Oh, I've heard it before." Like, I'm like, it's so. Thank you. Yeah, man. that really means the world. Leap, leaps and bounds, man. We're gone. You know. Hell yeah. So, um, so I'm gonna ask you the first question I ask everybody who comes on, which is uh. What's the last movie or TV show you watched that you had a strong opinion about? Oh, um, <laughs> my sister was just up here and, um, you know, we might, we might not have been in the right headspace. We had just gone out the night before for my birthday. So, you know, I was a little, you know, we were like lounging around. She's like, yeah. she's into lots of, of weird stuff. She's an artist. She teaches art at uh, George Mason. And she's like, have you ever heard of the movie House? And I was like, House? And she, I'm like, at first she said, have you heard of House? And I was like, yeah, the, yeah, that doctor that plays by his own roles, that guy. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, it's a Japanese movie. Apparently, apparently it was well, way ahead of its time. All these artists cite it as, uh, you know, influences, all that. So so we watched that. And uh, it's pretty bugged out, man. Um, I, uh, I don't think I fully appreciate it. So I think I'm going to run it back because it is on HBO Max. So you can watch it whenever um, if you have HBO Max. But uh, wow. Quite a trip, really funny, really surreal. Um, psychedelic rock soundtrack is is killer, mm -hmm. um, and everything uh, you know, every scene kind of has a, a core. I love when movies have a corresponding like riff or keys or whatever to like. Oh, this person's uh, sad; they're reflective, and then the moody keys start playing. Or this person's in danger. Then it's like, you know, the you know, and so they have some really interesting ones. Uh, and uh, I could dig around to find out who the band was, but I thought it was all really crazy and cool and 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 weird. So house, you know, if you got if you got the time. Yeah. Well, 
I'm really happy you brought that up because that's one of my favorite movies ever. Wow. <laughs> I love this fucking movie. I, uh, I'm going to rewatch it. I, I know I'm, I'm going to rewatch it because I was like watching it, but at the same time, like uh, I had a phone call come in and, she, you know, we, we just let it play because we were kind of like, it was very like, you know, a lax watch. So I'm going to run it back, I think. So. Yeah. No, it's definitely one of those movies that like, it's one of those you have to like sit and watch it or else you're like, you're, you're going to, you're going to walk out lost. Like I yeah, just, yeah. I discovered it maybe about a decade ago because I was really into the Criterion collection and it's on the Criterion collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, my friend copped it, so we all watched it, and I was mm -hmm. like, it blew my mind. It, it was like, like I like I think the back of the DVD case described it as like, like it was something. I forget what they compared it to, and I don't have it. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't cite it. But like they compared it to like an episode of Scooby Doo, like put through like about three or four more like surreal filters and. um the director and his daughter, um, the director Nobuhiko Obayashi and his daughter came up with the concept for the story. And like, and like her, she was really young at the time. So like her influence is kind of the reason like there's so many really weird, like visual flourishes, like all the different filters they use. And like, yeah. and, and like that scene where like the pillows and like the sheets are attacking um, yeah. the attic, like that was like her idea. And um they and like the refrain they use and they like use throughout the movie in a whole bunch of different ways they i think they specifically did it that way because they had like no budget yeah and it was just like we need like one melody that we can use throughout the entire movie in about six different ways to like communicate whatever we need to communicate and like the movie was and like it's weird it has it, it didn't have a big budget but the movie was supposed to be like it was supposed to be the japanese equivalent to jaws like the film wow. studio they made it for was like, we want we, we want you to make a blockbuster like Jaws. And they handed them this. Like, <laughs> you know, so. I mean, I love I love when I love when things like that happen when they're like they, they just they, they turn in like something so weird and so not what the, the, the studio wanted. You know, it, it makes for like, why, why are we still talking about this movie? You know what I mean? Like, that's why. Yeah. Like real, you know, real impactful. Oh, that's crazy. That's one of your favorite movies. Wow. You know, what a, another movie I saw recently that kind of stuck with me was um, is it Wade in the Water. Um, it's like an indie, um, really interesting premise because the main character is is uh, pretty obese, you know, and you don't see that often. Um, and he's a pretty compelling character. He's like a loner who stumbles upon. He like gets a, um, the premise is he gets a, uh, video in his mailbox that wasn't supposed to be in his mailbox it was supposed to be next to the p.o box next to his yeah. and it was like uh child porn or, or something really damning right so he was like what what is this and then it sets off this like really crazy chain of events where this guy who's literally got no real reason to live other like he's he like no one you know he's got no one in his life uh then becomes kind of like any uh dropped into an extraordinary situation and it's like one of the very interesting conflict occurs so that 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 i thought uh was pretty interesting too so wait in the water wow okay i guess i, guess I gotta look that one up it, like it kind of it kind of reminds me of this other movie i saw way with i don't remember who directed it but i think it was called fat girl about fat girl. Um, okay um about this uh it's it's about two girls um one who's also I, I don't think she's particularly obese, but she's, you know, like a little overweight. And uh, and this other girl who's like, and just like their relationship about, and and, and like, it's kind of like, I just remember it being extremely dark. 
And I remember uh, it making me really sad. Like, I don't remember any like plot specifics or anything like that. I just remember watching that and being like, I'm sad now. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm really sorry. I was just moving my computer because my internet was, was a little spotty, but now we're good. You're good, you're good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that's, I, I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely check that out because I'm interested in people that, um, are cast that you that are unusual right because like i think they're kind of pivoting towards i kind of think like stranger things was like a turning point where it's like these kids are all uniquely strange looking in a way you know what i mean like you got the dude with the, the teeth missing or, or and uh obviously everyone loved that dude but yeah, it wasn't like oh these kids are all beautiful and and diverse it's like there's something interesting about these people like you know and it catches your eye and i'm like I, i'm always like intrigued by that because i was like oh wow the protagonist is like 300 pounds like very overweight and unhealthy like that's interesting to me and like you know so find it find it a, a unique uh device sometimes yeah i um i just appreciate all different you know like body types and you know mm-hmm. sexual orientations and like all that stuff being represented in anything and not even mm-hmm. just in a superficial way because like because like kind of like, like kind of sort of related. I was watching the I was watching the newest episode of Loki, not the one that came out today, but last week. And there's quite a few black women in the in in mm-hmm. the show, and yeah. most of them are kind of being used as plot devices right now. Like 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 one of them was killed off. Another one is probably got killed off, but we're not really sure yet. And the other one's a villain. And like while it's great to be able to see like black women play different kinds of roles, like you know, and, you know not every black woman has to be a hero, but like mm-hmm. they're just like. I think that's a really great example of representation not going as far as people think it does. Like just having just having black bodies around or just like mm-hmm. having, you know, like for lack of a better term, gay bodies around or fat bodies around and not yeah. like exploring them in meaningful ways. Like that's like that's what makes stuff like Wade in the Water or Fat Girl or I guess to an extent Stranger Things, like that's what makes them vital and interesting. Like not just the fact like, oh, like we have a fat character. Like it's Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I watched that. Uh, speaking from that, um, Tangerine was a pretty interesting movie. Tangerine, uh, yeah. yeah, wow. You know, speaking of representation that you don't normally get, um, and that was cool to see. Like, obviously not like a heartwarming, uplifting movie, but like the dynamics behind, you know, uh, that subsection of, of, of people. And I was yeah. like, whoa, never really thought of it, you know. And then here you are, like thrown into that world, you know. Yeah. So. Wow. And yeah, like fun fact that uh, the whole movie was shot on the iPhone. iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was that, that was like right around the time when people were really starting to take the iPhone seriously as like a film. Yeah. 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 It's super interesting. Um, goes to show it's not the uh, not the equipment, right? Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. 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 Shout, shout out to iPhone. Shout out to all the trans homies and everyone go watch Tangerine because it's super dope. And I need more people to talk about it with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I definitely I definitely thought it was a. Uh, uh, a great movie. Hell yeah. Um, so let's run it back for you. Um, what's the first movie experience you can remember having, whether that's at the theater, your cousin's house, home, wherever? Like, um, So I, I guess uh, Jurassic Park, when I was really young, I was really into dinosaurs. I remember like, I didn't think, there couldn't have been a movie more tailored for what I wanted to see than <laughs> a bunch of bringing dinosaurs back. I was like, let's go. Like, I was so ready for that as a kid. Um, so I remember going to the theater with, I think, like, two of my friends, and that was, like, really, really impactful. Now, I'm trying to think of, like, um, I think I saw 
like on TV or something, I saw Stand By Me really young and was really like engrossed in the idea of like being on my own and like finding a dead body. It was like a kind of like a, a mythical thing. And, and they kind of like, I'm like, oh man, imagine if me and my like friends like, you know, snuck out and, you know, got on this crazy adventure. So that kind of stoked my imagination a little bit. Um, Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones, mm -hmm. he rips the heart out. Classic. <laughs> yeah, classic scene, right? Um, not a good movie, but... <laughs> uh, There's but no I, Raiders of the Lost Ark, at least. But, you no, know. oh man, so the Indiana Jones, yeah, yeah, I was into that. But the Temple of Doom scene really stuck with me, I remember, because I was like really freaked out. And um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, I think those are kind of the ones that, that, that jump out at me now that you, you mentioned it. Um, yeah, I'll go with those. Okay. Is, yeah. is, is, is there like, because I mean, like you mentioned, um, um, you also mentioned Jurassic Park, which I feel like a lot of people, that's kind of like, that's kind of like a base start for so many people that I've yeah. talked to. Yeah. Like, so like between that and Stand By Me and Temple of Doom, like was there anything in particular about those movies that kind of stuck out to you besides the fact that like you were really into dinosaurs or like the, yeah. like the heart um, out scared you? Like So I guess one is like, all right, so Jurassic Park, that's like a blockbuster done well, right? Yeah, Temple of Doom, Blockbuster done poorly. Uh, and then Stand By Me is this good storytelling. Um, I think good writing. Um, you know, every everything kind of lines up, uh, except for maybe what happens afterwards. I mean, kind of, I don't know, I'm not sure. But uh, I think, like, that was a pretty good use of minimalist and uh, and where you're, you know, there's not much happens, like, not all that much happens in that movie. They're just kind of yeah. looking for this dead body and they find it and it's a little bit anticlimactic other than Keeper Sutherland rolling up on him with right. a gun uh, <laughs> other than that. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, I didn't really grasp any kind of firm understanding of like film or, or what anything devices or what was happening or was this good quality? I don't know. I was just entertained, you know, right. but looking back, I guess, you know, you know, reasonable films to watch as a kid, you know, yeah, totally. And um, and and Stand by Me in particular is is at least in my opinion one of the better Stephen King adaptations too. Mm. Those can kind of be, oh yeah, like like they're either they're either like really really good or mostly really really bad. And there's, there's a few that are in that middle. I but, wanted to, I remember I wanted Tommy Knockers to be good, and it was really bad. I never um, saw Tommy Knockers actually. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you don't have to. I'll save you. I'll save you that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I feel I feel like I talk with so many people about um about the shining and like, mm. like people have very strong feelings about the shining because it's either like it's either this amazing standalone movie that changed the course of horror cinema or it's just a really shitty Stephen King adaptation. Like it's it's there's no in between with the shining. Like it's either yeah. it. Did right? you know it was the hundred the hundredth anniversary of that picture? The Overlook really? Hotel, yeah, July fourth, nineteen twenty-one. Wow, I didn't know. Someone, po someone posted that on Twitter. God, I waste so much time on Twitter, but uh, I saw that and I was like, I was like, whoa. Um, what is the uh, what is the documentary? Room two o what? Oh, room two thirty-seven. Yeah, two thirty-seven. There you go. Two thirty-seven. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty entertaining. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, The Shining. Um, I think is really, I think, cited by many artists, obviously, for being like super impactful i guess because when it came out what was it, 81 
something like that. Something like that, yeah. So I think at some point in our age bracket, you know, from from 29 to 36, like we saw The Shining at some point. You yeah. know, you were exposed to it, whether it was on TV or for a friend or, or a parent or whatever. And um, yeah, I think it's like, there's something about it that's like particularly dark and hopeless. And, but in a way that's like, it's building, it's building, it's building, and then it happens and you, and you know it's happening. And, and I don't know, the way it's done is just, obviously Jack, Jack is amazing too. And um, the way he kind of descends into uh, what he, be, you know, the ending is, is it's entertaining. I don't know, it's done really well. Um, I did read the book when I was much younger. I don't really remember much about it, but it seemed like a solid adaptation, you know, or probably the gold standard of adaptations for, for him, you know. Right. Yeah, I read the book when I was younger too, and I don't remember a lot of it, but um, but yeah, like like. I like the movie. I think it's really entertaining. I have a good time with it. I can kind of under, like having gone back and like skimmed through it again, I can kind of understand people's concerns. Like there are people who like live and die by that book. Mm -hmm. I can see why they would feel certain ways about it. And um, you know, like, like, like I think it's cool. I get, I get why people don't like it. I like, I don't like, I have issues with it, but it's not like, I wouldn't exactly call them like serious. It's just, you know, I like it. I like it. I'm 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 with you. I I, I like it. I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to watch it again because it's been a while. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Enjoying it the first. Time. I think I think I think that's a something I need to get better at is a is like if, if a certain amount of time passes, like you're a different person, so you should rewatch something if you consider it. You know, um, you know, I don't reread books like I should. If like I'm like, all right, well, I read that like that changed my life when I was 17. It's like, you know, what what. What do I think of it now? Or you know what I mean? And and we should probably do that with movies if we consider them, you know, part of the canon that we want to, you know, consult, you know, artistically. Or if you just want to watch something stupid again, I watched. Uh, I really love scenes of like, like I'm, you know, I'm like a cheap date in terms of like uh, the the good the the guy or the girl or whoever redeems himself with you know some crazy scheme that they pull off like i saw uh, mississippi grind i don't know if you've ever seen that i've seen Mississippi. Yeah. it's fun man the rolling of the dice and you're like oh does he get it all back does he lose it all like uh it's it's i'm i'm a sucker for that you know sometimes i want to watch some like art house you know uh open to interpretation really deep and other times i'm like i just want to see a guy win a hand of poker that changes his life too you know <laughs> so yeah no like that shit is cool like, I don't know why I just thought about it, but um, when I was younger, my sister was really into the movie 13 Going on 30. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that. Like, I've never seen it, but what is it? Uh, what's it's, it um, 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 it was a Jennifer Garner. I almost said Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Garner movie. Right. She's, uh, she, she's like, she's like, she like works at a big company. And for some reason, she, uh, no, 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 just kidding. It's, uh, she's a 13 she's a year old girl. And for some reason, she gets she she turns into like she she just grows up to become thirty and like for some it's it, like it, a like a big situation uh, is there some more kind or of, less okay yeah like okay. she just like wakes up one day and she's thirty and so like it's it's just Jennifer Garner playing thirteen years old in her however old she is body and you know like I've been thinking about that movie recently for I don't know why but it just like popped into my head and like <laughs> and so you mentioned the like just want to see people win and like the crazy schemes like yeah yeah, yeah. Like, i just know like like for some reason when you said that like romantic comedies are really big on that type of shit and i just like, oh, oh yeah 
six like that and like Kate and Leopold. You ever see that with Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan? I have not. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a rom-com though. I, I, I'll definitely say like, yeah. if, it's well, if it's well done. Kate, Kate and Leopold is about a guy from the 1800s who falls into a time portal and wakes up in the modern day, which I, I think is either the late nineties or the early two thousands. Don't remember. Yeah. which one. And it's just, you know, like he's just like this, like British nobleman, like talking to people who are like hitting up their blackberries and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, <laughs> out of water type shit. I'm I'm a sucker for that shit too. Okay. So <laughs> and you, like he falls in love with Meg Ryan and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as one does, you know. If, yeah. if, <laughs> Especially into, your time. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so time travel is an interesting concept in general. Um, have you ever taken like screenwriting classes or anything like that? Are you um, interested yeah. in that? I have yeah. yeah, I think the guy I I took like one class, um, which was which was pretty cool. Um, you know, I have some ideas of things I want to do eventually. Um, but he was uh, telling the class to to never use flashbacks. So how do you feel about flashbacks? Do you think they're weak, or hmm. do you think they're they serve a purpose? Because it's like I think phenomenal storytelling. We don't need to see the flashback to know why we're here, but and other like places where it's like you go back in time and you see like why that person got that way. Do you think it's a weak thing or strong? Hmm. Generally, no, honestly, like I've like, I've seen flashbacks implemented too many times in like a decent way for me to be like, Oh, like it, it, it shouldn't ever be used. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, there are, like, like, like there are plenty of bad examples and like, I guess lazy examples of like flashbacks and stories, but I think when used well, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a really recent example, because like, because like a movie, I, because like I guess a movie that uses flashbacks, or, or no, a movie that doesn't use flashbacks that I could have seen a lazier version of its script use flashbacks is something like Get Out, right? Because mm. like we don't really, because yeah. like we learn, we learn everything we learn about, um, um, Daniel Kaluuya's character like through his actions and like through mm-hmm. him talking with um uh Laurel and and um and um uh Vanessa Williams not Vanessa Williams oh man oh what's her name I'm blanking on the, I'm, bl- I'm blanking on the woman's name she's um she's Brian Williams's daughter it's not Vanessa Williams damn it um I forget she's on girl okay. but um yeah so like we learn everything we learn about Daniel Kaluuya's character through his actions and all of that like I could see how a, a quote unquote weaker version of that script would have like done it all from flashbacks yeah and, yeah and actually now that i think about it get out opens with a flashback it opens it opens I, with um um lakeith stanfield getting um i'm, I'm getting nabbed yeah, off. That's technically yeah. A flashback. technically it is yeah you're right you're right um and and like and and i and like i actually think that adds more to the context of his character who's because lakeith stanfield's character is not really in the movie a whole bunch he's no. in the movie for maybe like he's a big part of it but he's only in the movie proper he has he's like maybe like and maybe 15 minutes of screen time top. And then he gets lobotomized and set out. So like, I think in instances like that, I think, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm thinking now, cause like it's, cause like you could also argue that it's not a flashback. You could argue that like, they're like showing it in the order from when it happened because he gets caught and then Daniel Kaluuya and them are there and he's already there. It, it depends on how you look at it, but I'm gonna, for now, I'm gonna argue that it's a flashback. And I think that that's implemented pretty well. I think that adds a layer of context to who this guy is and just kind of shows the insidiousness of what all the white people were doing in that movie. And it drives the point home more than it would have if we just show up and he's there, you know, like. 
and it's creepy. Yeah. Like it's a creepy scene and like adds a layer of like, you know, like the music the guy's playing and all that stuff. It's like it it it's useful. I don't think it's like, oh, let's go back to like the beginning about their relationship and like that that would be you know, that would be cheap or like how they met or or something like that. That would be a little cheaper, you know. So I think I think they did it well. No, ah, totally. And then um and then like the end of the scene is like you see the person run up on him and then take him, mm-hmm. but like his uh, but but like both their heads are cut off. So like all you see is like the top of their bodies and you yeah, yeah. Lakeith's feet like shaking like he's being hung and like it's, it's like you said it's creepy. Like they did mm-hmm. like 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 the scene is just great and it adds it adds that like okay like you need to know that something's happening because like you could argue that Lakeith Stanfield's character showing up and then him not seeming right. And then it turns out, oh, he's been lobotomized. Like that's, like you could argue that that would work too, but I think this kind of sets the scene. It's just like, okay, like there's no, um, there's no ambiguity here. Like something's wrong here. Like, and I think that's a, I think that's a good example of a flashback used properly. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, there's like, there's like a dozen others of like, even I'm trying to think of like a specific example. Cause yeah, you really got me thinking about this now. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, uh, kind of, I wouldn't even, sorry, I keep moving around my life. Uh, so um, I think it's interesting, not even really debate, but like when he, t- when he said that, I was like, I felt a little challenged. I was like, you know what? Well, maybe maybe I would write one that, that would change this dude's mind or something. And then not that I'm like married to the idea of like a flashback, but I thought it was interesting. And uh interesting to hear your opinion on too so. oh yeah totally that that's not, not, not like i appreciate you bringing that up because it's something that i don't it's something that i only think about whenever other people bring it up <laughs> yeah, and yeah i uh it's because like what because like when i took my class i don't think we really touched on that but i but, but like but like there's there, there's definitely issues with it and there are movies that lean a little too much on it like mm-hmm. as, you know like as much as some people might love forrest gump like that movie, that's a movie that relies almost entirely on flashbacks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Movie's a flashback. I'm a sucker yeah. for that movie, though, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, the, the, the Lieutenant Dan story arc is, is, is heartwarming. I don't, care right. who you are. I don't care who you are. You know, he got his legs. He got his, found his reason to live. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. That relies a lot. I mean, like, jumping timelines and then how did, you know, this and that. Right. Um, for sure. And one more before we move on. I just remembered Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is like for sure. Like that's an incre- like incredible use of flashbacks throughout that sure, whole yeah. movie. Like just like there's one scene in that movie where Jim Carrey had to change outfits. I think like like he like ran somewhere off camera and then he had to go into a basement and change into a completely different outfit in 12 seconds to like show the passing of time through this oh, house wow. or whatever. Yeah. And, like, and like they had to get the take. They, they, they did the take, I think, like a bunch of times, and like, just like the like the way, the way that movie handles time and the way it uses flashbacks to handle time is like that's, like I think like that's the that's probably the um, I want to call it like the platonic ideal for like that's how you use flashbacks in a movie, like yeah, that, yeah. like yeah. that's how you can make that's how you can weave the past into a story without it feeling like you're. Like it's only ever a problem for me if it starts to feel like a crutch, and it's yep. not. It, it doesn't often, like it doesn't feel like a crutch often enough for me to be like, no one should ever do this, you know. Like, but you know, that's just me. Yeah, yeah, uh, 
I think that's uh, accurate. I didn't say that I uh, I definitely agreed with my teacher. So I was like, that's an interesting discussion to have. No, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Cause like that, sure. that I, I never would have touched that. So shout out to you. <laughs> yeah, um, you know? So, you know, like, so, so like you mentioned these four movies at the beginning as kind of yeah. like your, like your core or, or, or maybe not your core, but like some of the first memories you have of seeing movies. So like, is like, is there, is there a specific movie that made you fall in love with the idea of movies and like on like a, on like a deeper level like as art or like even just as like, wow, like this is a movie that just made me appreciate like, no, like not even in, not even in like an artistic sense, but just kind of like opened your eyes to like the mat, like movie magic. It could be either one of those. I know that was really weirdly worded, but. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, interesting. I, I would have considered myself not a movie person for like the large early portion of my life. Like I watched, you know, big movies that came out. You know, I, I would go to the theater, I guess, what an average person would do. But I didn't really like get into like the idea of, of cinema and, and screenwriting, acting, all that stuff, like until like pretty recently, you know, I'd say like the last three years, you know, and then mm-hmm. quarantine, I just watched hundreds, uh, probably like 200 movies, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 like three, four <laughs> movies, three, four movies a night for real. And um, yeah. And so I got I, I got really, really into different, you know, um, subgenres and all that stuff and i got i got deep but i i wouldn't say that there was like a like a watershed moment where i'm like oh yeah movies you know um i just was super interested in um in storytelling and i always will be and um i can't you know i i guess i don't have like a definitive moment or or um i always thought that maybe my attention span wasn't great for like films you know like earlier in my life and then like as i age that he's able to hone in on 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 like two hours like let's do this like you know don't even look at my phone like let's check this out um so i think that yeah as i matured i got more into uh how you can capture like a truly well crafted story in that in a long form you know in a long form movie like that so i don't know if that answers your question but (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, um, I guess since you brought it up, I'll get a little more specific. Were there any movies you watched during quarantine that kind of, like, not even, once again, not even in, like, an artistic way, but, like, were there yeah. any movies that stood out to you while you ran through your 200 <laughs> over the course of a year, Jane? I have an iPhone app, iPhone Note, my Notes app, that lists most of the movies I watched. <laughs> uh, oh, man. All right, so my appreciation for horror um almost entirely formed in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I I don't like gratuitous violence, right? I don't like when someone gets cut open and all that. Like, I'll, I'll watch it, but I like, I flinch, you know? My girl makes fun of me. She's like, you wanted to watch this. Like, why are you, you know? I'm like, well, you know, it's natural to like clutch your chest if someone gets stabbed, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, uh, I don't love like that, but I got really into, you know, uh, some Korean horror movies like Wailing was amazing. Um, the host was cool because it had kind of like, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It had that element to it that was like creature, this creature feature too, you know, as well as all this other thing. And then, you know, po- you know political, uh, you know, influences and all that. Um, 
I'm looking at my list here. I thought Creep one and two was like really well done. I don't think I know what that is actually. You said oh really? Um, it's uh, what's his face? Mark Duplass. Uh, oh no, yeah. I know what that is, and yeah. I've never seen them, but I know I know a lot about Duplass, and he's. I, I I recommend watching it because it's like everything you know about that dude or those dudes is like it definitely turned on its head for that movie. Um, mm. It's 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 really lo-fi. Uh, I mean, super lo-fi, but really well done and and really creepy. Um, Real quick before you move on, yeah, yeah, yeah. my girlfriend hates Mark Duplass. Like one of the first things we talked about when we talked about like. She's seen those movies and like she can't stand them. Like, if like yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my, my girl was like, no, I'm not watching this. Like, I don't this dude, I don't like this dude. Like, same, same. And I'm like, all right, yeah, it's fine. She's, she's like, she's like, she's about as opposed to his movies as, as one could possibly be. And he's like, and yeah, like he's a part of like this movement. I think I think it's called Mumblecore. Like it's kind of like they're kind of united in like this lo-fi thing and like Yeah, yeah. And 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 just like I guess like in terms of like content and just like the fact that like I don't know, but like, but like, it's just funny you brought that up because like she hates Mark Duplass movies. I really love, I really <laughs> love when people have vendettas against random actors and actresses, and they're like, and they're just like, nah, I don't watch that person. And I'm like, that's so funny to me because it's like, yeah, like there's certain people you can't stand or whatever. I mean, obviously there's like reasonings why you wouldn't like somebody for the like personally, you know, because they're right. a scumbag in, in real life. But there's also like some people just can't stand the way someone looks or the way someone says something. And I just, I always crack up when I find out people's different, like, oh, no, I, I can't do that. I can't watch that movie because someone says it. And I'm like, oh, it's funny. So, all right, Duplass, get out of here. Get out of town. Anyway, uh, if you could sneak away, I would check out Creep 1. And it's one of those situations where Creep 2 might be better. Okay. And, and that is not common, you know? No, um, not at all. Like, yeah, nah. are usually never better than the original. Nah, definitely not. Um, so, you know, I, I really like, what a24 does and uh they kind of it's kind of like if i see it if i see the a24 uh i'm probably in I'm probably in on watching it um you know hereditary and, and midsummer were kind of kind of kind of stayed with you a little bit but they yeah i don't know they did a lot of really good things in terms of horror you know and it kind of like opened my eyes to like it's weird when people are like no i don't like horror and i'm like that's just i don't know how you I don't know how you can really just say that, like like a blanket statement. I don't like yeah, horror. Right? It's weird because there's so many levels to it. There's psychological thriller, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. And uh, and quarantine for me was like an awakening of that. I'm like, man, I'll I will check out pretty much as long as it's artfully done. I don't really like like go for slasher movies, mm -hmm. you know. Um, like I said about the gratuitous violence, I'm like, but if it's like good and like well crafted, and people are like, nah, 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 you should watch this. Like I definitely will. So I had a horror awakening. Uh, not saying I'm gonna like make a horror screenplay, but it really, uh, it really changed the way I look at movies. So maybe I had my awakening way later in life. Hey, you so, know, yeah, that's cool. Like but, it, yeah, like yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't always happen when you're young. Like sometimes, um, you mentioned eight two four. A bunch of people I talked to on here, like moonlight has kind of been this like watershed moment for so many people like way more than i realized yeah and, and like a24 in particular is like like you said like i'm the same way like if a24 is involved i'm probably involved i just saw the last black man in san francisco for the first time a couple weeks ago i haven't um, seen that it's incredible yeah you recommend it All right, cool incredible cool. Yeah. um um that's a24 too it's, it's a24 um it like it started out as a kickstarter campaign 
mm. that um, the director and the one of the one of the main actors started because like they're from that area and they wanted to like bring this movie to life. And um, Jonathan, why am I forgetting his name? The guy from uh, Lovecraft Country, uh, who's going to be Kang in the new Marvel movies. Mm. His name is Jonathan Majors. Jo- that's like his first big major role in a movie ever. And he's he's just he smashes the whole thing. He's like he's a big part of the reason why the movie works the way it does. Nice. It's like really beautiful, soulful piece about like gentrification in San Francisco yeah. and just about like just I mean, about like the, and, and like our relationship to to um to art and nature and um just just like very specifically like black communication. Just like really beautiful stuff. And like mm-hmm. it's, it's something that everyone should watch. It's really incredible stuff. All right, wow. All right, that's good. That's good praise. I will uh, I'll definitely check it. It's been in the queue for a minute and then um I guess I didn't have a firm grasp of what it was. I just was always like, not sure, not so sure if I want to go there right now. Um, but that's cool. That's good to know. Pretty uh, sad. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Moon, yeah. I imagine, you know, uh, Moonlight, incredible, really incredible. Um, super glad uh, that got the claim and the platform. You know, it did because uh, it was worth it. It was one of those things where you know everyone talks and talks and talks about something, and then you're like, all right, and then it it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. But now. Nah. It's not what that, it is. That one definitely lives up to the yeah, hype. Beautiful yeah. movie. Yeah, right. and the fact that La La Land, I mean, it's just like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'll live on an infamy because of that, and I'm fine with it. Like, now like, yeah. it's a movie, but now it's also an event, and I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I watched La La Land on a plane, um, which is like, if I fly overseas or something, um, you know, I do dig the, the two movies. Like, And usually the selections are not bad, typically. But I watched La La Land. I'm like, all right. Now, whatever. It's like, it serves its purpose, right? It's like, yeah. I'm sure it was a go film. And they're like, cool. All right, we got it. Like, people will like this. And this will make money. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but when, you're, when you're pitting it against Moonlight, it's like, come on. What are we doing here? Absolutely not. Yeah. But that's super dope that you kind of, it's super dope that you took that time to go through this collection of movies and, like, really gain and because like it's really never too late you know like it's never too late to kind yeah. of and realize like hey this is but like, like like especially when it comes to horror because i feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about what horror as a genre is and like what it's supposed to be able to do and like how it can mix with other genres too like horror is probably I, I would go on to say that horror is probably the, one of the most malleable forms of film ever because you can make any you can make a horror comedy it could be mm-hmm. psychological horror like you were saying it could be slasher it could be um, you can make you can make like a horror documentary. Like there's there, there's like so many different kinds of things you can do with a horror movie that you can't necessarily do with like. I can't even think of another example. I don't know. Like I just love how, like horror just seems to be constantly mutating, and I yeah. love. It. Like yeah, because everyone's uh, idea of, of terror or or uh, you know fear is is different and. Um... Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, super malleable. It's a blank canvas in terms of like what can you know, what can get that reaction out of you that you're like, damn, or it stays with you. It's creepy, or it's like, you think twice about getting up and going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, like that. You know what I mean? Like, what what uh, gets that? What elicits that reaction out of you can can be very different depending on who you are. You know, totally. Like you know, you, you know, like there's a difference between between something like a. Uh... One of my favorite movies ever is uh, Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, which is the very first movie he made before he made Lord of the Rings. It's this like it's this disgusting, campy, gory horror movie about this like about this like mutated rat that starts biting people and turning them into zombies. It's like 
it's such it's it's so much fun if you're into that sort of thing but like there's yeah, a, yeah. between a movie like that and something like being john malkovich which i would argue is a horror movie mm. like what's like what's scarier than having another person invade your head and like yeah, having yeah. someone in your head that's not you you know like, that's, that's, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's terrifying like 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 to me that's a horror movie but yep, like yep. Yeah, yeah. But like that's just you know like that, that that just shows that proves how far you can take it you know yep yep i agree and then like something like ridiculous is it follows i don't know if you watched that yeah, love yeah, yeah. follows great movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah people need to be watching who they're sleeping with man <laughs> hey, i'm not I'm, but <laughs> yeah uh but that was a funny concept man that was that was that was fun yeah but, also yeah, I, I also sorry, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no i just say i agree with you so yeah, go on Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just going to say, like, it follows also really artfully done, like really beautiful cinematography, great score, really interesting concept with like, yeah, having, yeah just like soup. I think that might have also been a two four. I could be wrong about that. Um, Would make sense. Would definitely make sense. I'm going to look <laughs> um, it up. So let's move forward a little bit. Uh, like you have. So, so like you. So like when you're younger, you're kind of building up this, you, you, you know, you're building up this relationship with movies that isn't necessarily the deepest yet but you're at least like you know like present and enjoying movies on occasion so um when did you first fall in love with music um incredibly early age um i'm my you know my father played guitar not like not seriously but like he would you know play guitar around me and he played a lot of uh jazz too he's a huge jazz fan um you know he still is uh, so that aspect you know jazz like you don't always like what your parents like obviously but it's your first exposure to music you know my mom was really into marvin gay um and kind of motown stuff and uh michael jackson michael jackson was like you know a, a staple uh always playing um and beatles too were always playing and the beatles that uh, took me a while to get into because i was like my dad's you know, so my, it meant like you know it's like something your dad likes you don't necessarily like it like uh, but I mean, I heard Easy E when I was five or six. I was really, really young, and it was like I was like in kindergarten, and it was like a cassette, a cassette Walkman. My my friend had stolen or borrowed or whatever, took his his brother's tape, and it was um, the Dr. Dre diss song. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like, okay. And I listened, and I was like. Oh my God, I'm not supposed to have this. Like, there's no way I'm supposed to have this. This is crazy. Like, what is this noise? Like, this is the bass and, and his his voice and obviously the profanity. Like, it was all like encompassing. I was like, I need to know everything about this. And it was so hard to, to like grasp, you know, because you're, you're a kid. And that was my first like real memory of like hip hop in particular. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it was a real thing. You know, it sounded like nothing like I, I had been exposed to. Um, knew I wasn't allowed to have it, um, but I was immediately like feverish of like trying to find out more and more about like this music. And it was it was really like probably like the bass and the drums that was like drove me like up a wall. I was like, I don't know what this is. I have to know more about it. And then obviously, as I grew up, I remember being like nine, and that was like the year that I older brothers are kind of like the gateway, you know? So we, all, I don't, I don't have an older brother, but, but all my friends had older brothers. So we would, you know, sneak into the rooms and, and take what we, you know, take what we could give back later, you know? And like, 
that year was probably like 93 or 94 when I was nine, right? Something like that. 94. Okay. And that year was like incredibly, incredibly like formative for me. It was like doggy style was everywhere. Um, my mom was like, Snoop Dogg was like public, public enemy number one in our house. Like she knew how much I loved this dude. She was like, this guy's terrible. Like the, the murder was a case trial is happening. He's in the mainstream. Like, and, and she knows I love this. I look up to this guy. I love him. And she was like, I was, I was a really gifted kid. Like if they wanted to skip me ahead a year. And then I was, my sister was like, she's a year older than me. She was like, hell no, he's not going to be in my grade. You know? And I was like, I don't want to be in Rachel's grade. You know, I want to stay with my friends. Um, but my, but I was starting to like kind of slack. And, and my mom's like, you need to get A's again. If you get A's, I'll buy doggy style for you. And I'm like, the, the, the real version? And she's like, <laughs> the real version. So I got A's, boom, just like that. I was the best student I could be. We went in, wherever it was, like Sam Goody or something, she buys it for me. And for like five glorious days, I had it. She's like, your dad cannot know about this. <laughs> five glorious days, I had the, the, the real version with all the skits, everything. And then she knocks on my door and she's like, I haven't been able to like sleep like a night's sleep knowing that I got you this. You're, you're too young to have this. It's too bad. I got to return it. And I was like, no, you're freaking out. And I think I got, she got me. She's like, how about Belle Bib DeVoe? And I'm like, Belle Bib DeVoe? No, no, you don't like, get no. it. You don't get it. Or like Rex in effect. They don't have parental advisory. They don't need to curse. And I'm like, I forget what I settled on. It was, it was, but it was deflating. Uh, and uh, I, all I wanted, all I wanted was that cassette. And now I see, uh, you know, I, I was talking to my mom about it. You know, now he's like, uh, I got cooking shows with Martha Stewart and uh, <laughs> and Bob Hope or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went. He really, he really. Uh, that man, that man is a masterclass in longevity and image uh, re rehabilitation. Um, really. But that was that was huge, man. It was, uh, it was really probably west coast that that g-funk that was like so in, so interesting to me Even right beyond, really yeah beyond the content of the music you know right yeah 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 but yeah because clearly you started with easy e and, yeah. and 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 it's like there's just something about there's just something about like the funk and the vibe of like of, of like all that early stuff that really yeah. kept like um uh yeah so i the first time i went to california was in 2018 Okay. And I've been talking to a friend who recently, uh, who actually passed away last year, unfortunately, about oh, um, R.I.P. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah. He and I, like, he's from the Bay, or he was from okay. the Bay. So he and I were talking about how um, we were talking about how music always hits different when you're like listening to it in the area where the person's from. And one of the hundred percent, hundred percent. And one of the things I told him was that like I like this is this this is speaking to your to, um, to what you said about snoop being this like master class on longevity and like his generational impact on different generations because like for me my first snoop projects were rhythm and gangster and blue carpet treatment mm. and like, blue carpet treatment was like, like those two albums were so important to me when i was younger and uh i told that's him that's interesting uh, yeah like i told him like you know like i like i i can't wait to like drive through cali and listen to blue carpet treatment and when I went to Cali, I listened to that and blues, Good to Be Home. Those are the mm. two albums that I played more than any other when I was in California for those. Very albums. West Coast records. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So like, um, but like, like I say all of that to say that like, there's really something about the music, like you said, that's just so, it's just so driving and like, mm -hmm. 
just like it, it's, it's really about groove groove just pushes you through so much and like mm-hmm. you could you could say anything over a groovy enough beat and people are gonna find some reason to be like yeah this, this kind of goes though like it yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter, like. if you can if you can if you can find the you know ride the beat um you know some people made whole careers off that just having a good yeah. ear on what to pick or, or have an input on the music like I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said the regional thing though because like that is my favorite thing about so I, I've traveled a lot, I've toured a lot. Right. And I really love to hear like what's going on in that particular area, right? Like so I don't understand grime, right? But when I was in London, you know, or uh I can't remember, we played um maybe it was like Manchester or something. We played like a, a smaller city outside of London and um I didn't really I'm like I never really quite understand this music, but then I'm at the show and then like there's an after party with a DJ. Everybody's fucked up and you know, all the drugs are around. It's a wild scene. And I'm like, oh, I get this. Like, I really get this now. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I didn't have to take Molly or anything like that, but I'm like, I'm in the, I'm in this, this is a culture right now. And I really, I really understand it. And um, the Bay is like that too. When you start to really, the Bay is like another, it's, it might as well be another country in terms of like the way, you know, they, they really get down. It's one of my favorite places, you know, in America and their music is uh it's just so interesting like the shit that's that's cracking there we never listen like we don't hear we don't get exposed to on the east coast you know right you, they have legends that are just like um you know that they exalt and that they put out like these these dudes drop like 50 albums you know yeah obviously we all know e40 but like right. but like there's guys uh who've been doing it you know just as long as e40 or like you look at um like the loonies or something like that who right who probably should have been bigger and you know but out in the bay you can't tell anyone you know what do you mean they, they they're the goats or you know like they have their own hierarchy of people who uh and i really i really appreciate like the way they you know make music and when you get out there and you meet some some real like natives from oakland or or san francisco um you start to really understand it and really understand the subculture and uh and i think that's interesting and important if like you really want to take uh, a career in music, whatever, whatever avenue it is, you know, it's important to know that. Oh, totally. Uh, go to yeah. Toronto and, 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 and like understand that, like that vibe or, uh, or the Midwest, understand Midwest hip hop or go to Chicago to understand what Chicago's really doing. And, uh, yeah, I think it's important. No, that's totally important. And yeah, like you see so many people talk about Mac Dre. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, like speaking of Bay Area legends, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you you talk about Mac Dre, you talk about people like Too Short, you talk about people like uh, you know, just anybody involved, like like not to say that either of them are hyphy, but like considering how big a thing hyphy is in the Bay Area in particular, like mm-hmm. that shit means nothing over here. Like we don't know nothing about no hyphy over here. Like, well, remember like when like DJ Shadow made a hyphy album and everyone lost their shit. They're like, "What is this? Sucks. It's terrible." It's like, well, right. I mean, he made a record. <laughs> that he he's you know he's from there like that's that's what he always wanted to make you know right. and then like if you're you know if you're a new yorker new jersey philadelphia whatever you probably got dj shadow introducing and that's how you know him oh yeah absolutely and he can make that style uh, he pretty much pioneered that style so like mm-hmm. you take that out and then he wants to make some uh, stuff with a bunch of uh you know crunk like trap rapping and that's what he probably always wanted to do and then people are losing their, their mind over it so yeah <laughs> yeah you know like you know you know like that like that very particular sound that he did on that project is something like you could, like you could even compare that to what happens over at backwards and like the stuff that woods does 
Like that's like like that's so specifically New York in the same way that like the Shadow album is very specifically California. You know, like you really gotta like be. I talk I talk about this with friends all the time. Like you really gotta be there to understand. Like like if it doesn't click, it usually takes having to be there. Not everyone. Not everybody has the opportunity or like the ability to be there to hear it but like sure sure but but like it definitely changes the way you appreciate the music another great example about for my time in california when i went out to cali in 2018 was when blueface started to pop ah so 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 i wasn't fully in on it at the time like i had heard a couple songs but i was i was like this is cool but it hadn't hit me yet my boy miguel shout out to miguelito he's listening um he drove me around he drove me to some places that we were going to um at that time and the whole time he played nothing but Blueface and draco the ruler because the both mm. of them were starting to pop around that time and, like, he played me Blueface's whole first tape and like i got it like it clicked immediately i was like oh this is why people like this shit like it makes yeah. it, it perfect sense to me and i yeah. was I, I just lost my mind like, like, like this is of course before Tatiana was as big as it was like that was before that whole moment but like in that moment, I was like, I just gained more of an appreciation for that specific brand of Cali rap that like doesn't necessarily have a foothold in our area. You know, like that's that's, I like, think, that's um, really it's magic almost. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you you really hit it with Draco um, and Greedo. Those guys are yeah, too. you got to be uh, aware of L.A. To, to, to understand what they're up to. You know what I mean? Like you can't drop that in the middle of like. Uh, Harlem or whatever like I mean, there are some people who who mess with it out here but it's like you know it's different and yeah I think you got to really tap into what created you know the environment there like like I it, it's so regionally influenced the dialect the slang like all of that yeah. the beats the beats they choose um yeah it's super interesting man really and yeah like and like free Greedo because he just um, um he sure just, he just and, got my parole so free Greedo for real for real um so before before we move on to your actual career proper i have one more question to kind of ask about this interconnection thing so like Mm -hmm. was there ever a time when you like so like as you're watching movies and kind of falling in love with music the way you did um was there ever has there ever been a period of time up until i guess right this very second when you first consciously linked film and music together in your head and like kind of saw that relationship be like, oh, like these two things go together in a way that I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, actually, and I'm sure this has been brought up, but uh, uh, Menace to Society, for sure. Um, you know, you got Saphir, MC8. I mean, AWACS is an amazing character. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's MC8, you know what I mean? Like, it's him. It's him to a T. He's solid. He, he's, he's, he's war. He's battle-tested, like, um, you know, and then Cousin Harold rest in peace, Sephir, mm-hmm. um, who is, uh, Sephir is an amazing, an amazing uh, MC. I, I would certainly call him an influence. Um, and then the main character, Kane, it, didn't he have a career of some kind rapping? Uh, did, did Kane rap? I don't, I don't did, know. I think he didn't. I think it was called, I think he was called Kane and it like did not, he wasn't good, but okay. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I wouldn't say that I know or listen to any of it, but, uh, um, yeah, that was obviously, you know, I'm already into G-Funk. I'm already into the West Coast. And then I see that movie, you know, as a, as a, as a young uh, suburbanite. And I'm like, whoa. And I, I, I link it all together. But I'm like, that the, the use of music, obviously, aside from the fact that there are 
rappers playing roles. Right. Uh, the theme song, you know, the house parties playing the songs, and that was, you know, pretty big, obviously, probably yeah. for a lot of the people. Totally. Yeah. Great movie too. Um, Menace to Society is like one of the is really really, movie, really, yeah. really really like a classic of really any genre and like yeah and and like and like to see it play off to see it play off of Boys in the Hood the way it did like like like, like seeing what Singleton did with Boys in the Hood and seeing what the Hughes brothers did with Menace to Society is just like yeah I, it's, it, I don't know it's just really nice uh those are those are just both really dope movies and like Menace to Society in particular it just sticks in my head in a different way than yeah. than boys like like yeah. like like boys in the hood is at least some kind of hopeful like even mm-hmm. even even if even if um even if um ice cube's character winds up dying like like menace yeah. society just like ends on a death and it's just like boom movie he's over. almost he's almost he's almost out almost out almost like out. oh man yeah it's just like one. really tough, bleak. tough but, ending like, yeah yeah tough ending but, really but bleak, the kids bleak, but the kid survives so right you know. He, he he in the end there's at least that you know but which is rough but yeah yeah no totally like i think that's a um i think well no i don't want to say people underplay the role of like a soundtrack in the way a movie is but i feel like it's starting to get talked about more than it did before because there was this period of time where like the soundtracks were so connected to the movies themselves and then that kind of went away for a bit and now over the course of the last like two three years in particular it started to get like really a lot more aggressive like yeah like, like the spider-man into the spider-verse soundtrack was a really big part of that movie um they're doing the whole space jam thing with the new one and they put out the the porky pig rap that mers apparently ghost wrote like <laughs> i just read that <laughs> it's, it's crazy like i have i didn't hear it it's, um, <laughs> it's yeah, not, yeah yeah i mean that, but that's funny that mers wrote it because mers can really rap so uh um interesting maybe i'm, maybe. I'm just i'm just i'm just happy he's getting paid for it like he, yeah, for he, sure. he deserves it he deserves that man deserves that, that, that man should be rich for real honestly like shout Give out Mer- to Murs, bro Give Murs some money will you whoever you are <laughs> Mer- Mer- um Murs for president was a huge part of my childhood that was that was, that was uh, okay or, or, or no i was a teenager at that point. but like i um, met Murs when i was really young um at a show and he gave me wow he sold me like this is pre end of the beginning. He was on tour with LP. Yeah, yeah. And he was just kicking it. He was just chopping it up outside. And it was really, he was really cool. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I, it was like one of his early like tapes uh, on CD, like, like not like varsity blues, but it was in that world, you know? So ever since then, um, you know, I definitely do for that guy. You know, he's, a, he's, he's, he's a staple. Yeah. He seems really genuine. I've never met him before. I've never even like seen him in person, but just like from everything he does, he, he just seems really genuine, you know, yeah. like, and yeah. he just, and of course he's like one of the most technically gifted out, you know. Did you hear um, his interview with Dad Bod Rap Pod by chance? No, I haven't. Shout out, shout, shout out to the Dad Bod boys. Yeah, yeah, I, for, I sure, for sure. Shout out to them. But you should check that out. Like, honestly, it's one of the best interviews I've ever heard by a rapper. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because he's super, super candid on particularly what it was like to be a black artist during like the indie boom where he toured with a lot of white artists. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Merz was like the black dude in, in on, like the only black artist on a lot of these runs, you know, it'd be like atmosphere or like, um, you know, Aesop or LP or whatever. So he, he has some incredibly insightful, he's super honest. He's, you can tell he's just at the point in his career where he's like, 
I'm just going to say exactly. There's no politics at all. Like, I'm going to tell you what, what it is. And yeah, I recommend it highly. So if you're listening, check it out. And shouts to them. Yeah, nah. Yeah, and he earned it. He earned the right to be that way. So, man, yeah. shout out to Murs, bro. Like, what, sure. like, like the, the Porky Pig rap is a lot, but shout out to Murs anyway. <laughs> get that, get that, get that paycheck. Honestly, for real. Um, so, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about you kind of developing more into, you know, like the rapper and artist you are today. So like, from what I saw, um, your earliest music looks to date, um, looks to date back to about, I want to say the early 2010s. Is there yeah. stuff that I missed? Okay. So, yeah. you know, like considering, considering this huge fascination you had with G-Funk and West Coast rap. Um, when did you decide you wanted to make the leap from rap fan to rapper? Like, what was uh, what was that moment for you where you were like, I want to like make rap music and not mm. just listen to it? Um, high school, I started recording things. So um, I'd say I recorded like went to my first like uh, studio and like recorded vocals in like two thousand like one or something. Um, and I'm only like sixteen at the time. Um, <clears throat> I could always kind of freestyle, you know when I was like 13, there's like when I first freestyled, you know, we would get high and like, and like fuck around and it was never good, but it was fun. And then I started like practicing and I got pretty good to the point where it was kind of like a, like a party trick. Yo, yo, just rap, you know, like, or whatever. And uh, it was um, something that I was, I hadn't really gotten punched in the mouth yet like by life or by anything. So I thought I was really good. And sure, there was some talent there, but I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, I would write a lot, write all the time actually. And, you know, I try to make, it wasn't even really song structures. It was just kind of rapping. And then I realized one day I was like, I'm just, I can't be rapping about rapping. I got to know what I'm saying. And I got to, you know, really hone in on the craft. And then I would say like, I had a crew, there was three of us, and, uh, you know, we would go back and forth and do things, and we never really got our stuff together, you know, we did a couple shows, but we never really got our act together, and then when I went, I went to college uh, in, like, central Pennsylvania, and immediately, during college, you know, I would, I had a SP-606, I used to make Mm -hmm. beats all the time, and, you know, I had a turntable, I'd sample records and sit at home and make beats all the time, but I didn't really do anything with them. And I never thought, I thought they were good, but I don't know. I didn't really have, no, nothing really landed until post-college and, uh, and I came to New York and that's when everything kind of changed. And, and I, start, I, I started seeing what it took in person. You know, a few of the first rappers I ever saw uh, when I came here in 08 was like um, Cavalier mm-hmm. was that's killing it back then. Wow. Still, yeah, for real. Uh, Homeboy Sandman. Um, case, case Swift, um, you know, these dudes were really, I was, I'd watch them. I'm like, oh, you know, they had videos. I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I could tell they just kind of, you know, they gorilla styled it. And I was looking at them. I wasn't looking at mainstream artists. I was like, I'm looking at guys that like, that I, that I could, uh, go to an open mic at the New Yorican or, um, Bowery Poetry Club or whatever and catch them. And, and, and they were really cool people too. They were like, you know, super encouraging. And I just got an email back from, from Sandman about the new record, which is really, really nice to see. He, he, yeah, he checked it out and he was like, yo, the growth is beautiful, respect. And, uh, you know, I remember being like, oh, eight, really, really shy, baby faced, rolling up to the New York and putting my name in the hat and being like, oh, I just gotta, I got, I mean, this room was filled with, with people who could really, really ride. And 
and I got up there and kicked the freestyle and, and Shane was like, bro, come back, come back next time, come back to the next one. And I was like, oh, you know, like he, cause th this dude was larger than life, man. Like he, he ran in every circle, everyone respected him and he was killing it, you know? So homeboy Sam, man, shout out to him big time. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up meeting Willie Green shortly thereafter at one of these open mics. And that was like, Oh, this is my engineer now. Like, this is my dude. And he was like, encouraging me you know like with the beats he was like yo you know you got a really good he was like yo who's your favorite producer because i have a theory and i was like mad lib he's like that was it that was my theory he's like he's like yeah, yeah like yeah, that's that's what you want out of beats or whatever so i took a long hiatus from there that's a different story but i saw what it took what it took to make a record and how how much went into it uh not only financially but like physically and all that and then when I met Green, I'm like, all right, well, this is my guy who I'm going to make the record, my first record with. And I really honed in on that. And, uh, and I, I guess I put that out in 2010. So that was a, kind of the first uh, thing I put out. And then I'm like, now I'm like, now I have something out. And, and granted, it's not making huge waves, um, but I was able to go do some shows. Uh, obviously, I was performing in New York, you know, as much as possible, but I was able to go overseas and you know, I started sending it to people overseas. I'm like, you interested in, in having me? Like, like I'm going to come. I don't care. I'm going <laughs> to figure it out. I'm going to grind. I'm going to work. Uh, I had a hotel job. I work extra shifts and, and get that money to go over there and stuff. So that was, so I would say it was then. But it was, it's, it was a really slow burn. You know, I didn't have access to the things I do now. Um, there was no YouTube. So you couldn't kind of put up freestyles or anything like that, which, like, I kind of am grateful for. I don't really want, like, freestyles when I was really young up there so uh, uh, <laughs> I mean yeah like you talked about I think this before we were recording but like G Herbo like dude was making music at 15 like records you know I was not 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 developed yet you know so <laughs> it was good I mean I think everything kind of came together the way it did uh, you know for a reason and um, right lots of performing lots of being around people who who were lifers you know for 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 one way or another, like they're, they're going to make music for life. And that's how I am. So I was like, it was, it was good to be around people like that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you got, you know, you know, you, you know, you got Sandman around you, you got like Willie Green in your back pocket at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, before, you know, like before I move on to my next question, like I've heard, I've heard so many people talk about how influential and just like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, invaluable Willie Green's advice and just like his engineering. Like yeah. I like he's he's a name I've heard a lot. I don't know him personally, but I've like like you're not the first person I've heard like be like this is the guy. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I just I just felt like I needed to point out that yeah, like Willie Green, like he needs like I know he just had the um he had that car commercial recently that he like made a song. Yeah, yeah. For, like, yeah he made a song for um Nissan for Black Kids. Nissan, it was Nissan. Yeah. 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 So like, that's. Like to me, seeing that happen because that happened this year, like I was like, wow, like yeah. seeing, seeing him get that look is like that's huge, you know, like that's like that's like seeing Madlib get the car commercial that he got with Katrinata. I think it was a Lexus thing they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's no, and, uh, and and he uh, he he works, man. Like he's he is the fact that he what the amount of work he can do and at the level that he does it, like he won't put his name on something if it's not like. He did everything for it, you know. He makes my record. We were up against a deadline because his son was about to be born. And he, you know, just, yeah, it just became a father. So he banged out uh, in some order: shrines, uh, haram, 
my record and brass more mother and woods and like and still i don't know how he did it you know because these are these are not like he doesn't just like he's not like a, a hired gun so to speak you know like he really puts a lot of artful like craftsmanship into these records you know right. it's not like he's not he's not the type of dude that's like posting rates on twitter and like get at me like you know he's like you, you, he's gonna cost you because it's worth it's it's this shit's forever you know like you're gonna have this piece of music forever mm. and um and you know i love that dude he's a he's, he's a good friend of mine one of my best friends um and watching it just it, it's a testament like that it, it's gonna break if you're that talented and that hardworking, it's gonna break at some point for you something's gonna happen that's gonna make it all worth it and dude was like i remember at one point things were tough and he was just like yo like like i might need to get a different job like for now i mean I'm, this is a long time ago and i was just like i can't picture you like going back to something like bartending or a hotel or something like that's a tragedy like and he'd been he doubled down he bet on himself and and got his own studio and and everything took off and the way it should be and you know that man deserves all of it it's really it's really, it's really great to see i love that that's that's yeah. so good yeah but he um, never did get that job thank god you know i think something happened or he picked up a project and it came through and it was like yeah hell yeah right 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 um we love to see that for real yep, um, yep. so so uh so real quick talk to me talk to me about how so like at this point at this point you you know like you found yourself musically or at least you're like you've started to continue looking for yourself musically. yeah and uh eventually uh the wrecking crew happens so talk to me about how wrecking crew came together and like ah uh, yeah it's a good story i I've, I've been realizing recently like the way i meet people is is it's a good it's always a good story you know and i'm like people that matter you know people that last so um i there was um there was a a, a game like a game show type thing i used to enter all these like freestyle things that were like i just i did them because they were fun you know, and, I, and I'm pretty good at that aspect of, of MCing. Then there was a thing called Rhyme Calisthenics. Rhyme Calisthenics. All right. So it was like a crew. Um, shout out to them. They were they nothing but love. They've, they've always showed me love um, out of Pittsburgh. And Mac Miller was like, I think, the first winner. He was a big part of it in the beginning. Right. Yep, yep, I remember that. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, he, he's he's, you know, off the top of the head. He was really good. He was really good. So you spin a wheel and then it's like a the mirror the mirror round and it, they, you have to diss yourself with the mirror you know or it's like uh, the cock block round where like you know you gotta you gotta convince the the girl to come to you and and, and diss the guy you know that you're up against or whatever so so basically i had a good showing up here and they they had a slot and they needed somebody to do the philly event and i'm like uh they're like hey you know we'll we'll, we'll get you down there or whatever and then you can compete for the for the prize or whatever. And it was me versus um, this cat Voss, Mike Voss. Shouts to him. He uh, he went and ended up doing like a, a lot of MTV battles. He won. Um, another guy I can't remember. And then Cat Curly Castro. And so I had already known Zilla because I booked him and Hoslow to come up and play Brooklyn one time. And so we got to know each other. We hadn't really collaborated yet, but we were friends and we were getting friendly. And he was just like. Yo, Castro's gonna eat lunch. And I'm like, fuck, who is this dude? So I started Googling. I mean, I was aware of him. I knew his name, but I didn't know his music. And I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then they're the Hazel at the same time, they're they're both like psyching me out. They're like, yo, he's he off the top of the head, he's he's gonna get you. 
And I'm like, nah, it's not happening. There's no way. I'm not losing. So I came in like, I'm ready, man. Like, yeah, I can't wait. And so I think like we we ended up tying. I think Boss ended up winning, but me and him tied for second place. And the reason we didn't win is I think that we had, we went off like the specs of the what they asked you, you know what I mean? Like it started freestyling or whatever. It's like, do a written. And it's like, you know, we slip in the freestyle. The judge is like, you didn't do the, you know, you didn't do it by the rules and uh, or something. And then we we're like, yeah, it was like, I can't beat them, join them scenario. And we, we were like, all right, all right. So like, I see you. And it just kind of grew from there. And, uh, you know, we started making music together. Um, we get along really well. We text like every day pretty much about basketball, rap, you know, this and that, have you checked this out? And, uh, and they become like super, super important. So like everything, I, you know, if I'm doing something and I feel unsure about it, I send it to them. You know, they're, yeah, them in green pretty much are like the people I look for, like actual constructive criticism. Like, is this trash? Is this not trash? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's become kind of a, a, you know, a brotherhood of sorts, you know, we, we, we look out for each other and we we make really good music together because because artistically and personally it works you know we're not trying to shoehorn each other into uh into our songs like oh you know paint by numbers gotta have him on a song you know it worked it's like this is you i'm gonna put you in here so on the on the new record i was like i love it if they were featured on my first song but all they say is like one line because um, <laughs> i kind of like when people do that uh, I, know it's, I know it's a little disappointing uh, sometimes, like, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, like featuring so-and-so, and then it's just the hook, and I'm like, ah, but but I wanted that aspect, and I wanted them to say, like, that line in particular, because it's like, be careful, you know, uh, I'd be careful who I fuck with, uh, because it's the truth, you got to be careful, like, nowadays, you got to know who you're with, man, you got to know who you're riding with, I think we saw a lot of that happen in the last couple of years where people didn't quite know, or maybe they did know. And now they're like, how didn't you know you're on the road with this guy? And this guy turns out to be a terrible, you know, human being. Um, I know these guys are good people. Um, I put my you know name on that. That's important. Uh, I've known them all for a long time. And it's like, I want them to win as badly as I want to win. And we all have our, get our moment, you know, we make sure that like, this is, my moment to do my solo record, put that out, and, and that's what we're doing. It'll be his time next, and Castro's got an insane solo album coming. Like, I mean, it's the bazooka, and that dude, that dude sells out for the for, for big time features. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean sell out. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes for uh, he goes for the for the haymaker, where I'm like a little more subtle, where I'm like, all right, let's see what what I can do here. Uh, but I'm like, this is my record. I don't. You know, I don't want anyone on it. Like that's gonna, you know, he's like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a hold of this dude, and I'm, you know, so he's got some like, he's got some heavy hitters, uh, on his album. Great production. It's really good. I think you'll, I think you really like it. So, that's and we're also, uh, we're also knee deep in a, in a, in a record, all three of us together. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I've been, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about Curly's everything ever since the verse on Haram. I mean, talk about a proud moment. I mean, he's styling, he's styling all over an Alchemist beat. I couldn't believe it. I was, oh my god. I, I remember, I like when the album dropped. So I, I got it a couple of days early, but like not like you know, I got it like whatever. 
Woods is very tight-lipped about about his music in particular uh, until it's out, and then he's like, "Yo, obviously, like you're the homie. Here's here's the record." Um, but uh, that was like, man, I remember I went out like I got a Michelada at the Mexican spot near my house and just sat, drank it, and listened to the record. I'm like, "This is crazy. This is this is amazing. This is crazy." I mean, I'm so happy. I'm so happy for them, uh, and so happy that Castor. I, I I think I mean. Obviously, it's his story. I won't tell it, but I I think that that out that song wasn't gonna make the cut or something, and he got the word. Yeah, he got the word that it wasn't. And he was disappointed, and we were all were disappointed, or whatever. And he's like, "Yo, I killed that verse," and and then I guess uh, Al made the call to put it on. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that if that doesn't make you a fan of him, then I guess like I guess, <laughs> what else just, will you know? Like, yeah, there's no way to convince you. Totally. Like and, and yeah, before we move on to low bearing proceed, I do want to um, um, I do want to ask about you and Castro's relationship because of course you got shrapnel, you had yeah. that going on for a little while, and like you guys kind of bring something really special out of each other. I can't really put I can't put it into words, but like there's like you know like even considering you guys' relationship with the Wrecking Crew, there's just something special about. I mean, like obviously there has to be because like you guys have made a lot of music together. So like, what would you say is the most unique thing about y'all's working relationship that's you know like that kind of like sets it apart from your work with on um, the wrecking crew and with anybody else yeah yeah um yeah i don't think we knew you know i don't think we knew that it was going to be this seamless or that we were going to be uh this good a foil for each other you know and when when i say that i mean it just really works um his style and my style just they just really work well together and it's like a, to use like a basketball reference. It's like when when you got two players that are that like exceptionally good at covering the others, playing to the other's strengths, and maybe covering the other's weaknesses. Um, I feel like that's where we're at. Like um, you know, hooks for me don't come as natural. You know, I I got to work on them a little more. Hooks for him, they just come and and they're great. And I never I never like them the very first time I hear them, and then until I hear it. Again, a couple times I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And that's what a hook is supposed to do. It's supposed to get in in your head and, and make you remember the song, right? And, you know, I wrote a couple of hooks too there for Shrapnel. I'm not saying he's all the hooks, but the way he approaches uh, uh, making songs, he's incredibly prolific. He writes uh, really well, really quickly. Um, you know, we're both we're both avid freestylers, so we, we bring that out of each other sometimes. Um, and I think that I don't know. I, I just think that it, it it boosts the others, each other's strengths, and I don't know. I, I I it's a there's a je ne sais quoi to it where it's like you just you had to put it together to see what what you had, and then now it's like man, well we're we're already pretty much done the follow up, so it just and he's a driving force behind that because he was like yo let's let's quant like pandemic be damned like let's stay on this like let's stay on this and I was like cool cool and I had you know my solo was done. Yeah. So I'm like, let's turn all. I'll turn all my attention to this, and um, it's also like not wanting to let the other person down. You know, it's like I can't come weak on this. You know, and now that we're, you know, gonna put it out with Woods again, um, you, you you got another person that you don't want to let. You don't want to let the label down. You don't want to let the fans down. So it brings out, and that's not to be like a negative reinforcement, but it's like we got a standard now, and it can't be below that standard. And if you got to rewrite that thing ten times then that's that's what you got to do and uh and i think that's what's come out of it and it's fun you know it's it, it doesn't feel laborious it feels uh like a good like a fun process and we see each other a lot 
Um, then we catch up on what's going on. We got some shows that we're gonna we're gonna we haven't really done the live show yet, which is you know because COVID came and, and eliminated right. all that. But but it's gonna bring that energy out of each other, and uh, and I think I think we succeeded in our mission like tenfold, really. So good. Yeah, I saw y'all the opening for Arm and Hammer, and um, I forget what show it is. But... Yeah, we got a couple. More. I guess the only one that's been announced is Boston, but uh, we're also gonna do Philly. So beautiful. Yeah, love it. So now that we're here, let's talk about, so yeah, let's talk about low bearing crow's feet, which like, first off, like, congrats on getting this done. Like it's, it, it sounds super dope. Like it's really, really immersive. Like it's just something that I've kind of, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's going to sound weird, but it feels sticky. Like it, it's the kind of album that I would call like sticky. And it's just something that like you like move through and just kind of like, even when you're out of it, you're just kind of like picking parts of it off of you and being like, huh, that was dope. Huh, yeah, that would help yeah. too. Like I, that's, that's kind of the feeling I got. Like I, like I would call it in that way. I, hey, I'll I'll take that. Um, I appreciate it. Um, it was, yeah, immersive for sure. Making it was. I I didn't hear a lot of people on it. Like I like I mentioned before, I kind of heard parsley like vocals here and there, like kind of the seasoning to it. But I wasn't like, yo, I gotta get so and so on a track, or I gotta get Woods on one of these. You know, it wasn't. It, I didn't approach it that way. I was like, I need to make. Uh, this cohesive statement and I hadn't done that in a really long time and everything else had been collaboration. So this okay. is like time for me to really kind of put my stamp on, on who I am and, you know, control the narrative of like kind of my arc. I, I'm not a super prolific solo artist. I, I, I write a lot, like a lot of music will be coming out that I'm, I'm with, but in terms of making records, like I don't sit there and craft a lot, you know, I'm, I'm, you're not going to hear, you're not going to hear two solo albums in a year from me. Right. Um, that's just not how I really operate. Um, you will definitely hear more than two records that I'm on or whatever, but um, you know, it's, it's mining um, some tough situations. It's, it's uh, reflecting on stuff you could have done better. It's uh, I wanted it to be evergreen. I wanted it to come out and you, you don't know what year it came out. Right. I wanted the themes to be kind of as universal as possible. Um, I wanted to write about what I knew, you know, I don't, I don't pander. I don't like want to pander to anybody or anything that's going on in the world. I just want to offer my take, my, my, my viewpoint and, and keep it moving. I don't, anytime I write something that like, feels like I'm stepping outside of like the natural element of writing, I, I can't finish it. It's just not, I won't do it. You know what I mean? And that 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 took a while to get to, right? But with this record, I wanted people to listen more than once, right. very very specifically. I wanted you to hear it more than once. And yeah, I could tell. I could tell that you really put that kind of attention into this project. Is like there's a um, there's a line on Death on the Installment Plan, which I think might be my favorite song at the moment. Like there's okay. there, like there's others, but like there's one Thank line on there that always sticks out to me. The, the, the couple times I got to run it and it was um it sounded like you said do my loving on the run and do my thinking on the fly is uh get my loving on the run do my thinking on the fly yeah 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 my uh, fault um uh yeah yeah I, I definitely wrote that a, a little while back um a little more of a freewheeling uh drifter spirit at the time but mm -hmm. but yeah I mean I'm, I've always been a, a, um, drawn to the character who kind of gets by on you know, his guile and grit and cunning and you drop him anywhere in the world and he'll figure it out. And, you know, that every, every person, every character on the album is, is a branch of, of 
essentially what I want to be or who I am or who I've been or aspire to be. Um, and I kind of take a little poetic license with that, but it's like that, that line definitely exemplifies the, um, you know, I got 50 bucks in my pocket. I'm in Kansas city and that's all I got. How am I going to make this work? You know? And I, I'm like, I, I'll make it work. You know, I'll make it work. Like two weeks later, I'm, I'm, I'm running a bar or, or a card game or something like that's like, that's the, the, the spirit of that type of character. Um, and uh, cool. I'm glad you, I'm glad you singled that out. But, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Because like I singled it out because that's like, cause, cause, cause especially having all this context about you, and like all the travels you've done and just like being all the different places you've been even before you started touring off of rapping like this really like you like you feel like you, you feel like someone who's just been around a lot of different places and just kind of you just kind of like just kind of like get jiggy wherever mm. and that kind of and, and and like i kind of get that through your music and i get that through talking to you so that kind of like and and also just the way it's put together it just sounded dope but on top of that like it's really like this just kind of seems like a this this seems like one of those things that people are going to pull in like 10 years and be like oh that's the you know like when they do like the retrospectives like that's the bar that kind of brings right everything. right word man yeah thank you shouts to willie green and, and small pro because i was gonna have that on me and small pro's eventual record and, mm. and and smalls was like yeah yeah this is great great and then then I'm like, I got one other song for the record, but I'm not sure if it's going to be on this one. And, and Green was like, what are you doing? <laughs> this is on your record. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. He's like, well, wait till, uh, wait till I get my hands on those, uh, those uh, stems. We're going to make this thing really pop. Mm. Yeah. I love Small Pro too. So that's super fire. Oh, well, he's incredible. He's incredible. Speaking, speaking of Small Pro, um, I want, yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you is like, you know, you're, like you're a rapper who also produces and you have quite a few beats on this project, like not a bunch, but like enough. And like you, you have at least one beat on here that's produced by you more yeah. than like there's one solely produced by me. And then one I, I did with fresh kills. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I definitely will always kind of peek in and see what's going on. Uh, but most of the time I'm like, all right, Denmark Vesey, I'm like, I'm not doing nothing to his beats, man. That yeah. Dude is, that dude's amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Brain Orchestra, same way. Um, he's and, fine. Uh, Shout out to Brain Orchestra. Yeah, he's a man. Yeah, he's coming. He's coming over here to, to do uh, my release show on the twenty third. So, I'm uh, yeah. yeah, I um, think I think I think I'm gonna slide. And before I forget, before oh, I forget, uh, let me know, man. Let me know. I'll put you on the list. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. what's it called? Also, Denmark. Shout out to Denmark. He's been a friend for years. And oh Martin, yeah, Martin Luther Dream is one of the best records of the two thousand tens. And I mean, he's. He's, he's incredible he's incredible he yeah. uh he's always been super cool uh we met i forget in new york at some point and you know how like you 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 don't know if people remember you sometimes you're like oh yeah it was in passing or whatever but like some of these really great artists like quelle and him and they remember they remember things you know and you see them and they remember you and they're like oh yeah bro. i'm like Whoa. and and he's one of those guys that's always been super dope as a human um incredibly gifted just i mean the whole his, everything he does be rapping producing whatever like the dude is amazing and and he doesn't get talked about nearly enough and and our our you know interaction on this was great um he was you know after you know the, he's like well yeah where's my copy like and i was like oh yeah i just assumed he was busy you know and then that that's humbling you know because he's like yo i want that record you know not just you know not just what 
I did. He's like, I want to hear it. And, you know, and he's genuine in that. He's not, he's not just doing it for some money and, and, and keep it moving. He's like, nah, like, like, he's like, holler at me, you know, next time you want something or, um, and man, I can't say enough good things about him. Man, yeah. He's yeah, man. Like he invited me into his home and we were in Brooklyn and shit, but he's, he's just, he's just solid, where, solid. Individual. Where is he now? Do you know? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's New York anymore, but no. might be like yeah, okay. Yeah. They've they've been all over. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure, but wherever you are, wherever yeah. you are, Denmark, thinking about you, bro. <laughs> yes, sir. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I bring up the so so I bring up the rapper producer thing because this is something whenever I interview anybody who does that, I always have to ask like, is there a big difference for you between rapping over your own beats versus rapping over other people's? Because like. Because like you look at a song like uh, um, you look at a song like Prairie Burn, and you look at a song like Apollo Kids Meal, which Brain Orchestra produced, or or Joel Osteen, which Denmark produced, and like you just sound like you sound comfortable over everything, but like you can tell when it's yours, or at least I can tell when it's yours. Yeah. So yeah. like, is there a difference for you when you're like approaching somebody else's beat versus your own? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think I I, I know immediately if I'm making something that I'm not. I'm, if it's for me or not, you know, uh, and I have, I don't do a whole lot of production, you know, I sit and like, I'm, I'm really hyped to have like the night free to like, just listen to mad records and just see what happens. And, um, I, yeah, if I get a beat from you, it's, it's way different. I have to think of it in terms of like, you know, how does this fit? Uh, where is it going? What's the concept? Uh, but, but if it's me, I'm just like, oh, I just got the beat. I hit play. I start writing. If it's cool, um, it'll it'll take the next step. Prairie Burn was like uh, an exorcism. Uh, I had to do it over my beat. Um, I want to say it's the last love song uh, I'll ever write, but you know, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, and it was uh, like painful, but like really rewarding to get it done. And when I when I kind of made the switch up that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to wrap over this switch up. I'm going to tag it together. Green is going to transition and this is it. And this is like my production for the record for the album. Um, but I didn't give it a whole lot of like, I didn't think I was going to do another beat at all. I was like, I'm going to do one of these for sure. And then that's it. I'll let the other guys do the heavy lifting. That's what they're there for. They're the producers, you know? So, yeah. It's really cool. And like, and you know, like since we're here uh, and I mentioned it, um, Apollo kids meal is, so I said, I said, death on the installment plan was my favorite. I think Apollo, I think Apollo. Uh, well, that's, that's, I appreciate that because that's, uh, that got, <laughs> that's getting brought up a lot. Actually. I think Woods, Woods is favorite too. Uh, that's so fire. So talk to me, talk, talk to me about the idea because you mentioned characters and you mentioned kind of having all these different stories on this album. So like, where does Apollo kids meal fit into all of that here? And like, what's the story behind the song and what are you trying to say on it? Yeah, 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 okay. Um, it's good. It's good. Um, Apollo Kids, obviously from Supreme Clientele. Of course, uh, yeah. Behind the Lazy Boy Where You Hid Your Knife is something Ghostface says in his verse. And I was like, oh, that's super interesting. Imagery is great. And this is lazy, but Brain Orchestra's beat was called Lazy Boy. So I was like, ah. Oh. And then I thought of that line. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, Ghostface was like, was, is, will always be like my 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 goat for sure um just i don't know i what what you know what's been said uh, he's he's the best um Come on, like. esoteric 
we'll beat your ass, all of that. Anyway, so <laughs> Incredible. Supreme Clientele came out. That's when I, I started to like write rhymes. And uh, I had written some really like kind of dis- maybe disturbing lyrics and my sister found them and mm-hmm. I didn't hide it behind the lazy boy. I think I hid it like under my pillow or something. And she's like, what the fuck is this? Like, you okay? And I'm like, nah, I'm just like expressing myself or whatever. And, uh, and I was really embarrassed. So I was like, oh, I'm going to explore like that kind of like when someone finds something they're not supposed to find of yours, it's personal. It's like, you know, it feels pretty I think we can all relate to that. It doesn't feel good, you know? Oh, no. It's, like, embarrassing. It's, like, ah, oh, it's from a shame. So it's, like, yep. you know, behind the lazy boy, I hid my journal. Words, if read by others, would only magnify the internal. It's, like, oh, people are going to know what I'm really thinking. And that's a that's a betrayal on, on the world or whatever. But it's also just kind of flexing and styling like Ghost did and Supreme Clientele, like, free association and illusions of time together. <clears throat> and, uh, and... I uh, was kind of trying to tap into that chamber and being like, man, that record really influenced me. Um, kind of pay a little bit of homage to the, to the great. So I'm glad it all connected the way it did because the yeah. flow was like like a downhill. I, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to keep this. And, I, and, and Green was like, I'm like, was that, the, was that the take? He's like, man, you know it was a take. Like, we're not touching this. And... Uh, and actually, a conscious decision I made for on the record is there's zero dubs, there's zero ad libs mm, on the entire okay. album. Yeah, which is, yeah, it's pretty rare, I think. Um, but I told Green, I'm like, I, I'm not, a, I'm not averse to that, to those. But I'm like, I just don't, I just like, I don't hear any on this record. And he was like, I fuck with that. He's like, so we have to really focus on your voice, and that's going to be the main instrument of this whole entire album. And I'm like, that's what I want. Like, I don't want a lot of extra people. I don't want, you know, a lot of people have really good ad libs and they, they really make their style more interesting and pop more. Um, and not saying that, like, I can't do that. But on this this particular record, I'm like, I want I want it to be like, this is it. You know, this is the statement. And, and there's no real, um, you know, additional whatever is to it, you know? Right. And that's, and you know, like you were talking about this being a statement piece for you and that kind of makes it even that, that makes the statement even more bold, you know, like it's, you know, like not to say that ad libs take away from that at all, but like, it's just, there's just more of a, you know, it's like Green was saying, there's more of a focus on your voice. Yeah. yeah. That's, and you know, like that's something that like you were talking about Ghostface, like that's something that he always kind of, I feel like that's something that Ghostface is always really like valued and appreciated too. Cause like his, his his projects aren't really like chock full of ad libs like that either. At least Supreme Clientele isn't. No, no, it isn't. No, and, it isn't. And um, and yeah, like just and 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 like going back to the conversation earlier about like Snoop's place in the world and like his kind of masterclass and longevity. Like Ghost kind of Ghost kind of reached that point for people like around my age too, because like once again, like for me, my first experience with Ghost was around like. Or like my first like real conscious experience that wasn't just like listening to Enter the 36 Chambers off recommendation for me was Fish Scale. Like that mm-hmm. was my first like real like, oh, let me give this a try. And then, and then of course, yeah. like I was Def Jam Vendetta the game and I went and found Supreme Clientele because they played um one of my favorite weird little things is like they they marked um they they played a song that they claimed was Buck 50, but it's not Buck 50 mm-hmm. in Def Jam Vendetta. <laughs> It was uh, 
Oh, I don't remember what song it was. Buck 50 is like, and I love you. Okay, yeah. And uh, um, the, um, the song they actually played, I'm going to go check Supreme Clientele right now and see. But like, but it, but long story short, it's not, it's, it's not Buck 50 at no, all. And like okay. for years, I thought it was. And I told somebody about it and they were like, oh, that's not what that is. And I was like, what? And then I had to go back and listen to clientele again and be like, oh, okay, it's called yeah. this entirely. Uh, but that's super interesting that you know, Fish Scale was like his return to form in some way. Some people don't like that record, but I really do. Um, Woods did. Like, he and I talked about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could tell you, I, I pretty much can always tell what what he's going to really like pan right away. He's <laughs> like, no, no, no. Um, nah, Fish Scale's got some good moments. He's, he's, he's being a curmudgeon on that one. Uh, that yeah. Thing. I think I think there's some fun times on that record. Yeah, that and yeah, that and like and um him him and um the, on the work that Doom did on there too. Like Ghostface and Doom were just like really yeah. on another level with the shit. It's a shame we never got that. When we should have gotten that, basically, because whatever comes out of it is not gonna be what we want. But you know, it is what it is. Yo, Angels was such a life changing moment for me. Like, really? I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, mean, I used to like. Would you say? It's, no, it's just super interesting. To, to, to see that the eras of, of him and artists like him where it's like, oh, you got into him then. I got him to him, you know, here. Obviously, someone like Woods, his his experience is way different. And um, yeah, it's a testament, testament to those guys. Man. Right. And before I forget, this, so the song they played in Def Jam Vendetta that I thought was Buck 50 was The Grain. Oh, Buck okay. 50 is the song with Capadonna and Met the Man. The Grain. You want to see it. Yeah. yeah okay. You want to see it. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, yeah. that intro sample is just uh rizza rizza did his thing on that whole album for sure and the, and the <laughs> no ghost face that's so good even that like subtle touch is really good yeah yeah beautiful beautiful song like that was like that was uh like, like fish scale and that song were like my two like okay i'm here now like i get it <laughs> you know yeah yeah for sure for sure so i have one more question for you and it's kind of like to attempt to tie at least everything musically together so like yeah so like this is so if I'm not mistaken, this is your first solo project for backwards. For backwards, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought so because I'm yeah. was of course a backwards. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so like this is your first solo piece for backwards. And of course, like backwards has been going pretty wild the last couple of years between all the stuff Arm and Hammer's been doing and um uh the More Mother project, Brass, which is also super dope and yeah. everything going on with Fielded. Like it really feels like there's been like backwoods is kind of like like y'all are making you know y'all are putting out some statement projects these past couple of years and um you know like and like of course the ecosystem is just like continuing to grow even more like mm -hmm. um so considering this is your solo debut for backwoods uh where do you feel and and or actually because like you've of course known these people for so many years and you've worked with them before like you're not just like some random who just showed up and they were like oh let's do it so yeah. like yeah. considering your relationship with them the music you've made and the music you'll continue to make like where do you feel you fit within the backwoods family and how if at all do you feel like you kind of distinguish yourself and you're just kind of like i'm here but i'm also prem rock like mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good question um how do i fit in uh been there you know been in a lot of rooms that were kind of instrumental to like what's backwards is you know like being kind of like when green was starting to do everything. So I saw it, you know, I saw it all happen. I saw woods, you know, like basically 
when I met him, he had just finished History Will Absolve Me. And I was like, this is an amazing, oh my God. I mean, talk about statement record. That record was, man, I was like, I told everyone I could, anyone. I had one whiskey. I'm like, I'm telling every random person I see, I'm like, have you heard this rap? You know? And I know the guy. I, you know, we're, we're becoming friends at this time. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, to, to maintain my solo identity, but also kind of acquiesce to the sound of Backwoods, I think is like, goes hand in hand it's part and parcel like uh it, it's already in my in my dna to make music and work with these people like beside music he's obviously a mainstay willie green's going to yeah yeah shout out big shots uh i, I may be one of the few people who actually met uh the, the, the mysterious messiah music very nice guy uh baltimore baltimore years back but uh uh, a, a benefit to, to, to traveling is you get to meet these people uh, and, and actually put a face to the in the internet age. You don't do it often, but um, yeah, I mean, I want to just have a seat, you know, be part of the conversation, um, like put my best foot forward with them. You know, make them proud of, of the work that that I've been putting in, and and I've always wanted to see the label succeed whether I was a part of it or not, whether it be like putting together some shows back in the day, uh, going on tour at Woods or taking, basically like booking a tour for Woods with, you know, as me as a supporting act to very, very mixed results. Uh, but a, a hell of a lot of stories. Um, and, and that was, I, I just always uh, felt like I'm part of the team in one way or another, you know, whether or not they're putting out my records, you know, or you, you know, whatever you, I believe in it. And I know at, at his core, like this is this is what he really believes in. He really believes in making like great records that are going to be remembered, and great packaging, art, all that. And and it's just like really reaffirming when you meet somebody who's like you could tell whatever whatever people want to say, whatever fronts they may put up or or whatever. And I, I mean the word front not as like a deceptive tool, but as like you don't know me till you know me. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, to to be around someone who truly believes in this shit, like in this thing, like down with the ship, like it's gonna happen, this is gonna work, and it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, it, like you know, to be cliche or corny, like it definitely warms my heart and makes me feel like this is all worth it. It's always gonna be worth it as long as you continue to do, you know, what you intend to do. And I think backwards is like an extremely sterling example of that. And everyone associated with the label is going to see the fruits of what they put in. It's going to happen, you know, it's going to happen. And I don't think if you asked Woods five years ago, if he thought the label would be in his position, he'd probably say no, but he wouldn't stop doing it, obviously, you know, and then here, here, here it is. He can't keep stock, you know, it's, it's flying off the shelves. I remember when we were running around the country with the van or uh, Mo Nichols uh, Jeep, uh, loaded with uh, today, I wrote nothings, and, and people were like picking it up at the merch table, putting it down. The beginning. Next city, same thing, and I'm like, these motherfuckers have no. This this is gonna be worth a lot, you know. And furtive <laughs> movements, I think, only sold out recently. So it's like, you know, you gotta, um, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta really love it, and and everyone associated with the label does. And like I said, I used the term lifers before. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, totally. And yeah, you know, like. You know, like you were talking about cliches, like things become cliche for a reason. You know, yeah, yeah. we we tend we, we we tend to we tend to underappreciate them because like they've been used a bunch, but like 
things yeah. become that for a reason. And like to see, you know, like to see him, to see him going from barely being able to push today. I wrote nothings to um, the pre-order for an album with Alchemist go, go, go out of sale in like 20 minutes because like I was on that line. The I website my crashed. Line. Yeah. The like, yo, website <laughs> crashed, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like, like to go from those beginnings to see that, like, and, and like, and like you having been there from basically the jump, yeah. like that's, you know, like that's, that's gotta be an amazing thing to like, you know, be like, I was a part of that. And like, now you're like a, or officially isn't the right word, but like you're there, like you have a product yeah. on the label now. Yeah, like, the album came out on the label. So it is like, yeah, it's like the official, right. the, the drying of the of the ink on the paperwork or, or, or whatever, so to speak. It's like, you know, and that, that felt really good. And it, you could be down with somebody, you can make music with somebody, but to like put out their record, um, means a lot and i know he believes in the record and and i know that this is just kind of the beginning of what we want to do with it and you know you you have your time and hopefully the, the life of the record is is longer than as long as it can be and I, I i hope people keep discovering it i didn't expect like a huge you know groundswell of 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 coverage at first it's going to be i think it's going to be one of those things that gets passed around and you know and it's going to get might not click right away for a lot of people and and i'm cool with that i didn't make it for i don't make it to be forgotten next week you know right you know like you make it you make it so that people might you know like stumble across it in a year or two yeah even totally. five and be like or, no like, like I, what is this you know yeah like i like back when like deaf jokes was doing their thing like there'd be certain right. records that weren't quite as popular but you might like it more than others or more than the bigger releases that came out of the label and and uh it's it's there and once you put that out that's forever right you know, like, that, you're like, you're like look at what happened with the cold vein like yeah, like yeah. the cold vein just turned 20 this year yeah like, and there's that's, people there's people still discovering like a lucid's record save yourself right, exactly. or, uh, yeah. like you know. even something like save yourself like save yourself yeah. only six years old and yeah. people are still discovering that like yep yep totally yeah no yeah. like and, and you know like you're 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 in that fold and like not even like considering like the name backwards like you're just like you care i can tell you care I like, sure. like like the way you're talking to me, the way you make your music, like I can tell you care. And that means everything. You know, like it it, it might not seem like it sometimes, but like that means everything. Sure. You you don't need me to tell you that, but like uh, I mean I appreciate you saying it though. You know, <laughs> I'll take I'll definitely take it, you know. Um yeah, man. I mean it's it's something that I gotta do and 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 it's nice to to, to have a collective of like minded folks who are fucking incredibly talented it's yeah. like you know what when do you have that usually there's some there's some hang up right mm -hmm. it's like oh that person's really talented but uh, and then it's like that's not the case you know that's not the case here that's, yeah. So, yeah well um yo friend this was this was so dope yeah <laughs> like, this is a lot this is great this is great i was like oh man did i miss it like what did i do and then i looked at the because i looked at the calendar i think like last night this morning i was like oh okay got you it was it was completely my fault because nah, it's all good it's all good zoom like google calendar just does we, like i'll set yeah. a time and then it'll be like oh you mean this time and i didn't check that time because like yeah, i wanted yeah. one but then they were like 130 yeah. i didn't realize it's completely nah. come on it's all good it's all good i really appreciate it um great time um keep up the good work this is this is a really cool pod and uh i'm glad we got to talk about something other than like you know the, the boilerplate pod questions i like let's get into movies let's get in all that it's dope it's cool yeah man this is all about conversations you know like i sure. like to talk to people and like this is 
this is this just seemed like the best way to do that and just like have kind of a grasp on like I can do this. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, thank you for even being interested. You know, like you oh, yeah. me, and that means a lot. So yeah, hell yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, Yo. Build the brand. The brand is getting stronger by the day. <laughs> we'll we'll see, man. Yeah, we'll, yeah. See, we'll see where we are in a year. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.